you're in faith, then you don't, you're not in hope. You don't hope. If you're hope, you're not in faith. And it always seemed kind of strange to me because the Hebrews 11.1 1 put the two together. And so after several years of listening to that, I decided to do my own study. I've got a teaching that I, I don't think, know if I've done it here or not or at this meeting or in the church here, but I have an audio teaching on this called, I even have an ebook on it called Hope to the Third Degree. Has anybody heard that one? I'll go over them. And I am going to record this, so if you don't get it all written down, uh, I'll try to get the recording. I tell you that every month, don't I? <laughs> I am recording it, but everybody doesn't always get the recording. It's just one of those things. But anyway, hope to the third degree means that the Bible speaks. Now, there's more than different definitions of hope, but they all come into three categories. Hope to one degree is where you uh, have a, um, mm, I lost my thinking. One hope is when you are going off of the testimony of someone else. As an example, let's say that you find out that you have uh, cancer and uh, you run into someone else who has had cancer and has gotten healed from that or came into a great eating program or nutrition that, and they eradicated the, the cancer. So your hope for you being able to get rid of cancer is based on their having gotten rid of it. So it's based on someone's testimony. That's actually hope to the second degree. Hope to the first degree is based on a law when uh, uh, it's a law of expectation. When you're driving and you see a stop sign, you have an expectation that if you stop at that stop sign, the law that enforces that is, go is gonna be happy with you, and if you don't stop, they're gonna be unhappy, and they're gonna give you something to make you aware of it, they're gonna give you a ticket if they see you. There's, there, are, there are laws well, we have an expectation that those laws are enforced. Uh, if you have someone break into your house, you, because of the law says that should not be the case, you have an expectation that that law will uphold that and protect you. That is, that's, that's an expectation, that's hope, and that's in the Bible. I, if I had my cheat sheets, I could tell you all the scriptures where those are. But hope to the third degree is where we always wanna get to, and that is actually, Hebrews 11.1, 1, and that is a faith or a, a, a faith without any, uh, let me get the wording right. There is, is no, there's, there's no evidence in that hope except your faith. In other words, I have no clarification of any testimony. There's no law. I just simply believe. I do not have to have something to have happened for me to say, okay, that happened for you, so it'll happen for me. That is when I simply believe God's word and I have no expectation of anything else other than God's word coming to pass. Many of us want to be there. We get there sometimes here and there. Now, let me set you at peace None of those hopes are wrong or illegal. 
that's what has gotten a lot of people into thinking they're not walking with God correctly because we want the law to work. We have a law of the land. We want it to work. People say that the Ten Commandments, we don't have to keep them. They're under the law. Which one of the Ten Commandments would you not want to keep? We need, so so there, Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. Okay, so we need that. We also are encouraged, and the Bible tells us to encourage one another. So if I'm encouraged by what God has done in your life, and that gives me hope that it'll work for me too. I may not have walked the same path that you've walked. I may not have the same amount of, of uh, word working in my life as you. I may be a brand new Christian, or I may be a 20-year Christian with brand new knowledge. And so what's happening in your life encourages me to move on, okay? So there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't think that if you are uh, uh, trusting God and you don't need any evidence of it ever having happened for anybody else, that that makes you a super Christian, it makes you a normal one. I think that we, get, we have mixed in humanity with Christianity, and we have eliminated divinity so that when things happen to us that are happening to everybody else, it's okay. And that's not true. It is, it is I like what Sid Ross says, living supernatural should be natural to a Christian. I may not be where I am walking in that 100%, but I should have an expectation of getting there. What has hurt many of us has been what I call the carrot that's dangled in front of the rabbit. We've been told and then we've been withheld. Be perfect as your father's in heaven, but you cannot be perfect because only Jesus was perfect. Right. Well, you can't walk in this thing 24 seven, so everybody gets sick. You're getting old, so that's why your body hurts. It's part of aging. You go for it. And that has caught us so that when I begin to say, I don't have to, to accept that, then people are, are, they distance themselves from you, either emotionally or mentally or physically. And they say, well, that's not true. Or uh, if someone dies, what do they die of? And you can't tell. I remember when I got to, I was in the middle of a church service ministering at my church when the call came that my father had passed. He was sitting in the chair when I got there. He just went. He just went. He wasn't sick. Nothing was wrong with him. He just went. My mother-in-law did the same thing. She just sitting in the chair in the living room. She just went. And then there are others who never got old, but they passed before. So you can't look at those kinds of things and make doctrines or theologies on that. When you don't understand what's happening, I encourage you to stay before God and get an answer. He will answer you. I can't tell you that he'll give you an instant answer. I can't tell you that he won't. Sometimes it takes years, and sometimes you get an instant answer, but you don't receive it. It doesn't make any sense. 
you know. Uh, I can tell you things that I go through just in, in a week's time. My life has been, been like this all week long because of things that have been going on. And by the time I grab hold of one thing and think I got it, I just had a bomb dropped on me uh, two days ago. And I'm just trying to get my head straight before I come to here this morning. But I had not lost my hope. Nor do I make a theology on it because I, I asked the Lord and the Lord gave me, he gave me such an answer and I, it actually will help you. I'm, and I'm still in the middle of formulating this answer, but God gave me an answer, okay? So never make a theology on what you don't understand and don't let other people bring you understanding that comes from the intellect. I'm going to say it to you again. Don't let people bring you understanding that comes from the intellect. The Bible tells us that uh, the, the wisest person can be confounded by the spiritual things. That some things just don't make any sense. I, I've been quick many times to, when I was younger in the ministry, and someone would come to me and tell me what, what they were going to do and all that. And I'm thinking, oh, you really shouldn't do that. And I don't, I'm not as quick to discourage that way now because I also want to hear, what do they hear? Everybody that hears or says they heard didn't hear, but everybody that says they heard don't mean they didn't hear. And the way that they heard may not match the way you would hear, and they're in a different place, they're a different person. So I'm now listening differently, and I'm saying, okay, Lord, that doesn't make any sense to me up here, and it doesn't make any sense to my spiritual knowledge, but what did you say to them? If I'm in relationship with them, I, wanna, I feel like I'm, I have privy to that if he wants me to have it. If he wants me to disciple someone, then there's some things he wants me to know. And I'll begin to ask questions, and then I'll just wait. And God will begin to show me signs that, okay, they... They heard, and I actually, I heard the same thing. I just didn't hear those words. Does that make any sense to you? How do we get off on this stuff? I need to keep me on track here. Okay, so hope to the third degree. That's what that's all about. But the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's the reason why I put on the advertisement a hope equals a healthy heart. Now, a heart could mean your understanding. A heart can mean your physical heart. Your, a heart can mean the very core of your being. And did you know that all three of those can be made sick? If you are, are uh, trying to grab hold to something and you feel a sickness in the pit of your stomach, that means you're struggling with trying to maintain hope in God, hope in the word. That doesn't mean that you are wrong, that you are, don't have faith, and mean anything. It just means that you're struggling. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, I think it is, it says labor to enter into his rest. That means to labor. <laughs> now, if you're not laboring to enter into his rest, then you're going to kind of get overthrown. Some people are not struggling to enter into his rest. They're struggling to understand what's going on. It's different. 
If you're struggling to understand what's going on and not struggling to enter into his rest, you'll miss what's going on. Because <laughs> the, the answer is there. Did you know that if you did not have any computers, no concordances, no 5,000 translations, the one Bible you have will translate itself, interpret itself. Yeah. Did you know that? It's been proven all around the world. <laughs> if, you, if, you have, if, you can, can, if you have a scripture in the Bible that you're trying to understand, there is understanding throughout the Bible for that one scripture. Many times there is, that scripture is quoted more than once, and sometimes it's not the scripture that's quoted, but it's the precept or the concept that's there. But that's the reason why it's important that we learn to study the scripture and not rely on all the time commentaries. Things I'm telling you here today. I like when I see people that are actually taking notes that you're going to go and check that out. You should check me out. I might be wrong. Or you may hear it differently than what my intention was when I said. Or you could be a Yankee like me that don't understand Louisiana talk. You can, I can say one word and you, mean, you take it to mean something totally different. And then you go to the Bible looking for that word. Do you know Louisiana <laughs> language is not in the Bible except for y'all? There's more Yankee than there is the other. There's, there's lots of colloquialism. Do you know what I mean when I say colloquialism? Uh-huh. Someone tell me what that means. You hush. <laughs> a word or a phrase that is um, in a certain place. Okay. Give a, someone give us an example. Okay. First time I heard that, I was waiting for a drink. <laughs> because of the way it's spelled, I'm looking up, up a frappe or something like that, see? Okay. <laughs> well, it depends on what you call north. Because I've never heard it north where I'm from. <laughs> Okay. Let's move on. Let let let's move on because y'all making me sick. It took me. Uh, boo, who said Boudin? Oh. That and crawfish is enough to say, Lord, I know you didn't make those. They're man-made. They have to be. Okay. When it says hope deferred, um, what does that refer, deferred mean to you? Oh, <laughs> One at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, 
the bird means something that's put out to push toward the future. It's pushing it. You deal with it later. Okay. What was that? I see it pushed off, but then changed because something in the psyche says that can't be what that means. It's got to mean it's something else. Okay. Now, according to the definition here, uh, it actually uh, does mean to what she said: to delay, to extend, to de deter, uh, forbear. Uh, it's. <coughs> It's not a change because God know where you're going with it, yeah. but it's not a change. Uh, if you change, if you have hope deferred and you change, uh, the only only change would be that you completely let hope go, period, right. or you receive it. So, so hope deferred means really is just you put it off, you remove it. Or you, you put it off. That's not a necessarily a terrible thing because it doesn't mean that you don't believe in hope. But circumstances around us causes us to not want to receive it at that. That can't that can't possibly bring hope. Um, I was listening to someone a few days ago. Uh, a man had died and he had been dead for three days and he was raised from the dead. Now, I don't know uh, about you, but uh, if that had been my husband or my child or whatever, it would have been, someone had said uh, on day one, we're going to raise him from the dead and, you know, 15 hours had gone by. I, it's possible that my, either I don't have any hope or it's been deferred. What would cause it to be deferred would be the fact that at some point in time, either I heard of people being raised from the dead before, or I had faith in that person walk with God. So, so you you push it you you put you push it away, you push it aside. It's okay. the same term used when you have a loan and you can't make your payments. It's called a deferred the payment. deferred payment. And what it is is because you can't handle that amount. Okay. Now, with that thought in mind, if we use if we use Christine's example of a deferred payment, uh, a deferred payment doesn't make you sick. Hope hasn't been deferred there. There is an expectation that they're going to let you keep your car. And that you're going to be able to make that payment, right. and so we're almost dealing with apples and oranges. In okay, but the but the word is is there, that deferment is 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 the truth, but the effect that it has on you in your walk with God is different. When my hope has been deferred, or been ex, uh, moved ahead, or removed, or, or extended out, it make the Bible said it makes you sick. Instead, it makes the it makes the heart sick. Um, it can your the heart here. The definition can involve your will, your intellect. Isn't it amazing? The center of anything, um, the the your understanding, 
your wisdom, makes your wisdom sick. I mean, just think. When you, because what happens is if, I, if my hope is deferred, if it's pushed ahead or extended into the future, or I'm still doing, I'm going to make a decision between now and that deferred time that's not going to be God. More than likely. If it's, well, once my hope is deferred, I'm going to make a decision that's not God. Well, my thought was, if you don't have hope, then you have, you have despair. We're going, despair. Yes, we're getting to that. We're, we're, we're getting to that. Okay. You're, you're ahead of the game, dear. <laughs> <laughs> don't mess up my lesson. <laughs> when you... When you start making decisions where hope has been deferred, you start making decisions based on your intellect. You start making decisions on what would be called man's wisdom. What we call wisdom and what God calls wisdom isn't always the same. Every once in a while, God's wisdom and man's wisdom will match. Most of the time, it doesn't. The God's wisdom doesn't make sense to the intellect. It doesn't make any sense for uh, you to tell somebody, God told me to pick up from my house all my stuff, all my family, and move clear across country from a house I just bought 90 days ago. Makes absolutely no intellectual sense, but God knows what he's doing. And if we hear that and it doesn't click right, we're going to defer our hope of what God is saying and what he means, and we're going to make a decision based upon that. And because of that, we make a decision outside of the realm of God. And then when you do that, what would have been a, a, a two or three month moving schedule moves into two and three years because now you got to clean up the mess you made from the decision you made. And you have to be careful that you don't say, and the devil made me do it, right. when you figure out that you miss God. Now, you say, well, does that just happen to everybody? At least once. <laughs> but, as, but as we grow and mature, we want that to happen less. We, we're supposed to be the ones, because we are born-again believers, that make decisions from the divine and not from the intellect. Listen, sisters. We are moving into, and you've been hearing this over and over again, but times that are coming upon us, the way that people describe those times make you want to dig a hole in the ground and build something over you and never come out. But that's hope deferred. If I am a soldier in the Army, and I go and I sign up for the Army, and I go in, and now there's war in Korea. I've signed up for that. So from the time that I enlist in the military to the time of the next war, I'm being trained for that war. There is an expectation that one day I'm going to use these skills. We don't do that in the body of Christ. Only thing we're thinking about in the body of Christ, I get to go to heaven. <laughs> Do you know 
the more you study, you're going to discover that your reward in heaven is going to be commensurate with what you did here. Right. And everybody, you know, you say, well, we're all going to get, get God yet, but everybody is not going to get the same things in heaven. When you read about Enoch, the Bible says that he walked with God until he was not. He did not die. In fact, I like the Passion Translation says he translated. He moved from this realm into the realm with God. He's with God today, and he still hasn't died. And he is one of the few that is allowed to do some things in heaven that you or I may not ever be allowed to do. You're not going to, you don't, you really won't know what you're missing because you won't have access to it. Who was it that uh, came in? Tambra. Tambra came in and she was going to go to the restroom and she went to the wrong door. But she's been here enough to know that once she made that step, that wasn't right. She immediately corrected herself. Now, if she had not corrected herself, she'd been in another room, and, and she'd have been looking for the bathroom the rest of eternity. <laughs> now, you're laughing, but that's how it's going to be if we're not careful. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Okay. So what, makes, what we consider to be wisdom and the decisions that we make according to what we know in the natural is not going to suffice us. I cannot make a decision in my life according to the assignment that God has given to me according to what you think I ought to do, according to your intellect. I think I've said something about this for the last two or three years, uh, that I, I have been in a family struggle for about four years because of some decisions that I made. And I knew, I knew. In fact, Apostle Tisdale prophesied to me just before he, he passed, the week before he passed. I knew when I left Indiana four years ago not to go back until I was told. I knew not to. I knew when I left Indiana I would not see my sister again. I knew that. It didn't make any sense to me. I knew to get on the road, and I did. And I did. My apostles uh, and I were talking uh, about a week or so before he passed, and uh, we were talking about me going back to Indiana. When are you going back to Indiana? When am I going back? He says, you'll go back when they bury her. Now, that doesn't make sense to anybody unless you know the whole story. They, it didn't make any sense. Because I was getting phone calls from friends, from family, from all kinds of stuff. That's your sister. Why don't you come? You know, all kinds of stuff like that. I never told her God told me not to go back. She told me not to come. More than once. She said, don't you come. Now, to the intellect and to the way we've been raised in our society, it makes no sense. But what about Jesus on his way to grieve John? And he's stuck with a crowd of over 30,000 people who want to eat. So he has to take time to stop and have a lesson for his disciples. You say, what kind of lesson did he have? He had to teach them how to feed 30,000 people supernaturally. 
Now the day's coming where you're going to have to know how to feed 30,000 people supernaturally. You say, how, how's that going to happen? Well, first of all, we got this deal with Walmart. And I don't know where you guys were when Gustav came through here, but they closed up Walmart because the generators all broke. And they didn't want you buying anything fresh out of that store to make you sick. So we had no fresh food. And then you're on a just-in-time delivery by truck that couldn't get through. So now the shelves are empty. So where are you going to get your food? And all those people that laugh at me because I clutter and store up everything, now I'm eating, they're not. Because I always keep a can or two of tuna. Mm -hmm. Did you know that tuna is, a, of all the canned goods, will last, outlast any other canned goods mm -hmm. yes, for years? You see. But some things just doesn't make sense. But when you are looking at today, they don't make sense. But when you're looking further down the road, then, and you trust God, and you don't let your hope be deferred, and you do not make a decision apart from what God has said, are you hear what I'm saying? Then we get the end result of the hope. Hope is not a devilish word. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't lack faith. It, don't you know it takes faith to hope? You know, can you imagine my surprise coming from blizzard country to the Sahara Desert <laughs> and it snows five times that week? Oh, your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious as to why it snowed five times that year. And they say about every 15 years, they say, we, it, it does all these kind of crazy things. Well, they didn't tell me that after I got here. You see, but it doesn't, it didn't make any sense. But when I came, I didn't come in because of the weather. I didn't leave Indiana because I didn't like snow. I didn't come to Louisiana because I like heat. I came because God said, and don't you know that people there still had a problem with me coming. They didn't understand it. Why, why would you, you, got, you know, got this nice house. Got this nice family. For the first time in 20-something years, our family's getting along, and we're all together, and my you know, sons got married, and we got these grandbabies and all kinds of stuff. Why would God do that to you? That's what people would think. God didn't do anything to me to hurt me. He did something to help you. Amen. Amen. But he had this in mind on May the 10th, 1950. <laughs> He actually had in mind on December 25th, 1922, when my mother and father were born. Are you listening to what I'm saying? See, it all, it all works together. And for everybody who delayed their hope in God, they made decisions based upon what they understood intellectually, and it ended up costing most of us time. But the scriptures talk about redeeming the time. We'll have to do another message on that. And God has this whole thing. I like what Kevin said. I said he has this whole thing rigged. We, we, are, uh, we redeem the time. God will have us to be able to go back as if that thing never took place. Wow. Praise the Lord. You know, there are times when, when you are, are rushing to go somewhere, rushing to do something. And you get in the car and you think, oh, my gosh. Like when I lived, for those of you who have, have uh, lived in big, big cities, 
for me to go from one side of Indianapolis to the other, I could never leave my house to go anywhere to be somewhere in 15 minutes. I always had to do 30 to 45 minute lead time. To get someplace in 15 minutes, that should have taken me 45 minutes. That's called redeeming the time. God will do those kind of things. Y'all looking at me kind of funny, but God will do those type of things. Mm -hmm. You see, so you, so I cannot decide if God told me to go there and take 45 minutes, and I'm doing what He told me to do here. So from here to there, 45 minutes, I got 15 minutes to get there. God can get me there without without speeding. Right. <laughs> we um, I, we had two situations uh, with the uh, sons, with uh, spiritual sons. Two different. One was in one country, and one was in another country, and they both had the same experience. They had where uh, uh, one had a uh, those cinder blocks. They were driving, and there was a whole pile of cinder blocks, like three or four across, and they were sitting where it shouldn't be sitting, in, like in a road. And they were driving so fast, they just knew they were going to, that, that was it. And next thing they knew, they were looking behind them, and the bricks were on the other side of them, on the back end of them. They had gone through those bricks supernaturally. This other person in another country, around the same period of time, the same thing happened, wasn't bricks, it was a car. And, and they were head-on collision, and the next thing they knew, that car was behind them, and they, and actually, they actually saw each, the, they saw the passengers in the car as they went through the car. Don't look at me crazy. They tried to throw Jesus off of a, of a cliff, a crowd. Now, I don't know what you think a crowd, I think a crowd is more, more than three. I believe that all of you gathered together could throw me off. So it was more than three. And the Bible said he went through the midst of them. Yes. Where'd he go? Yes. You see, so, and, and that's just one. How, how, how did, uh, uh, when, 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 when Father pushed uh, Moses into the cleft of the rock, yes. as he let his glory pass him by, do you know where he pushed him? Into the Mount of Transfiguration. Wow. Amen. He pushed, he pushed him into the future. How, how did David know to do some things 24-7 that he took from the future that weren't even ordained for him yet, but he did them anyway? I'm telling you, you need, I'm telling you these things because hope deferred makes your understanding sick. It makes you make decisions that are costing you and other people because you don't know. Ignorance is not bliss, sisters. And I'm telling you these things because we're moving, in, we're moving into a time where these things are going to be needed. Elementary training in spiritual things is going to start with mothers as they are, at the moment they found that they're pregnant. Then it's going to start before they ever get pregnant. And they're going to begin to birth forth babies that are already going to have a knowledge of things you're learning now. You say, well, how is this possible? Well, tell me how is it possible that Mary and Elizabeth meet and, they, and, and uh, John in the womb 
Because Jesus was in the womb of Mary. Those, those babies made contact with one another. See, we don't talk about those things because they're, they're, you say that for Christmas and it's so warm and fuzzy and smooth. No, this, this is a reality. We, we have to know these things because uh, how many of you know the enemy is coming for the church? It doesn't like you. It never has. Satan has never liked you. He hates you. He's jealous of you because you have something that he no longer has access to. And he's coming for the church. As a matter of fact, he already came for it, is that we've been asleep. But instead of it causing you to feel afraid or to feel down about it, we have tools that God has given to us that will cause us not to even be seen. If God has you on a mission and you're going somewhere and, and the, 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 the people are coming after you, this, is, this happens in China and all these places all the time. But because you don't think the body of Christ exists any place except America, you don't look at this stuff. But it happens all over the world all the time. People are traveling through countries unseen going through a door to go to a different room only to find themselves in another country. These things are happening now. But most Americans don't believe in these things because they have been taught a gospel that is not of the kingdom. They have been taught a gospel, I call it, of entrapment and imprisonment. It's how you can be controlled. You know, uh, I don't have any shame in saying to you that I am not against my president. I hear people say he is not my president. He is my president. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that he's my president. But President Trump cannot save me. And there are some things that he cannot do for me spiritually. But I'm going to tell you one thing, you better pay attention because he is, he is laying a road for the church. And he keeps trying to warn the church that they're not coming after him, they're coming after you. They're trying to, he's trying to warn you. Right. Now what this man sees, many of the church don't even see. All they see is bad language, bad attitudes, bad this, bad that. They don't see the things that he has done that's been right. See, because they're thinking from intellect. What are you gonna do about David, who not only uh, uh, had a, committed adultery, but had the man, the, the, the woman's husband killed? And, and God calls him the apple of his eye. What's that all about? Man after his own heart. You see, so you can, you know, you can go to the Bible and find faults in God's people. The end result, though, is what was the end result of their actions? David, when he was fasting, he did not have hope deferred. He said it could be that, the, that the God would change his mind. When the baby died, he got up, washed his face, and went on about ruling the kingdom. You see, we say, well, that's awful hard-hearted. That's because we have made our children our gods. Our grandchildren are gods. We have made our romance with one another our god. Our husbands, our wives, they've all become our god. Our, 
that they, they are our God. No, we can't exist in life without all that. And yet, because of that, we've missed the, 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 the reality of God's purposes. And so when a prophet comes through and tries to tell you what God's doing, they kick that prophet to the curb because they don't want to hear that. So when your hope is deferred, it makes everything in your life miserable. It makes it sick. It makes your understanding sick. It makes your wisdom sick. It makes your body sick. I'm, I, this is this is all in uh, in your Bible. You have Bible, yeah. When you, when you have time, since we we carry around those twenty pound concordances and stuff, or you may have them on your computers or whatever, just look up that word uh, "sick." Now, only in that is not the same every place, but look up that word in Proverbs thirteen twelve and see what it tells you that it is. <clears throat> Um, to be worn, to be rubbed, to be weak, sick, afflicted, to grieve, make sick, <laughs> diseased. Use the word grief several times, some form of grief. Infirmity. Infirmity is not always sickness. Put to pain. Be sick, sore, be sorry. It even uses the term woman in travail. Be weak, be wounded. All that is uh, happens when your hope is deferred. Now there, there has to be an answer to that. You, you guys bring your Bible. Everybody, okay, go to Hebrews eleven. When I first uh, came into being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is a scripture that was uh, crammed down my throat for years. And, you know, common thing, that's all you ever heard. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I mean, you, you knew it. In every translation, you knew it. And then one day I decided that I would really read it. <laughs> and when you, when you read to understand, then you read to understand. You don't just read by rote. I mean, you know, we read. We take the scriptures by rote, and we don't read them. It says now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, now, now. There is no time with God. I heard a minister say, uh, he's, he's teaching on the book of Genesis, and, and he, uses, he says, in the, uh, it says, in the beginning, Instead of saying in the beginning, he says in the dateless time. We don't know what date that was. That's what he said, okay? But God is always now. God is not yesterday, and God is not tomorrow. That's the danger of deferring hope. When we defer hope, we put God into the future and not now. We must always keep now, this is about as profound as I can get this because it's, it, 
when I saw it, it, I, it, it helped me to put some things in place for myself. Now, faith. First of all, you have been given faith. You don't have to muster up faith. The Bible says in the book of Romans, we have been given a, the measure of faith. And then it tells us that that faith can be developed. I want you to get out of your head, and I know some of you probably know ministries who have their name. There are two, there are two places in the Bible that if I really make a big issue about it, they probably would throw me out of the country. That is the Proverbs 31 woman is no such thing. And mustard seed faith is no such thing. Mustard seed, when he when you read it, when he talks about mustard seed, he says, if that was all that you had, it would be adequate. We don't want mustard seed faith. We want the faith he's given to us. But he says, if that was all that you had, it would do the job. If you so if you, in other words, if you think that you have a little bit of faith, you don't have enough faith. Don't say you don't have enough faith. You may have faith that has not been developed, but whatever faith you, if your faith is only in the size of a, of a seed or in a thimble, it'll do the job. Right. Faith, faith, faith has no, I don't know their English words to use it, but faith has no boundaries. So if I, I either believe or I don't, there's no gray areas with faith. You don't have, you know, uh, the Bible speaks of uh, great faith, little faith, faith of God, faith like God. It doesn't talk of levels. Christians talk of levels of faith. This, those aren't levels. That's, that's the broadness of what you have. If, if uh, we turn all the lights out in this room and we scare light, come, there's still light. If you turn all the lights out and cover all the windows, and you stay in this room, eventually your eyes are going to adjust to the dark because there's light. <laughs> Get that. So there's always hope, even we don't think it is. What you don't want to do is get into a bondage of time and eliminate now. As long as you stay in God's now, hope is, takes you all the way through. Hope is like the horses on the carriage to take the carriage through. It says the substance, hypostasis. That word means several things, but one of the most simplest is, is the understanding. Faith is the understanding of what you hope for. Now let's look at it from this perspective. Let's, let's go back to the analogy that you're going to move from one part of the country to another after you just bought that house 90 days before. Your faith is the understanding of what you hope for. What's the hope for? What he said, the goal. Your faith is the evidence of where you've not moved to yet, physically, but you're there, spiritually, because God said it. Your hope is there. That's the faith and the hope go together. You cannot have one without the other. 
Because in God's now, it already happened. In your time, you don't want to defer the now. Your now and your hope go together. If I defer God's now, I'm going to start looking at time, and it's going to look impossible to get there. It's going to look too hard to get there. It's going to, you know, I'm going to lose everything if I do that. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my kids. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose money because I am letting hope or my understanding be deferred to time and not to God's now. I, I feel like dancing a jig right now, but I'm going to hold it for a minute. This is, this is just, I just want you to think on this for a minute because uh, what it did for me, it, it made me go back and redeem time. Everything that I had deferred, I went back and cleaned that mess up. And it was a good thing I did because I had no idea what I was in for this week. I had no idea what was getting ready to face me. And no, no idea at all. Hope deferred. I'll tell you something, uh, has, has nothing to do with pain, has to do with joy. I mean, like my new watch. <laughs> but let me tell you about this watch. When I, when I got my phone, which cost more than my first car, <laughs> I say that because I'm just, I'm just amazed at, at, I'm just amazed at it, you know. Uh, but when I got there, I wanted, my son had uh, an Apple phone, and it was just so cool. And the coolness, and I said, I want one of those cool watches. I want a cool watch. And I was looking at them. I didn't need it. I, my watch I had worked fine. And I did watches like I did my flat screen TV. Everybody in the world had a flat screen TV but me because my little TV still worked, and I couldn't justify spending two or $300 for a TV. My TV worked. Well, I couldn't justify the watch because my watches worked. But it, so it wasn't a need, it was just a want. Well, ever since I got this phone, I've been on the internet, off and on looking at this watch. And it talks to me. And I was so nice because for the first time, since they did watches, they made one to look with feminine colors and all that. So I was really, it was really cool to me. So I really wanted that watch. And I had to watch not lusting after it, I thought. Then Mother's Day weekend came, and they were on sale. And I had been going to the internet trying to decide, do I get this watch? Do I pay for this watch? And then, you know, you look at, at your stuff, you know, the, the, your obligations. And you say, well, you know, everything's paid up. I could do this. It could be my birthday present to myself, the whole thing. The day of my birthday, I am on the internet before I go to Pearl Lake. I am on the internet, look at that watch, and I'm saying, because the, the sale ends on Mother's Day. And I said, well, I'm going to go into Pearl Lake, and I'll know, I'll know what to do by the time I get home. I got to Pearl Lake, and somebody had given me this watch. <laughs> yeah. And, and, Yeah, I had, I had no clue. I, I had absolutely no clue that for months 
that, that had been in the plan. Now, here's the deal. I had to come to grips with the fact that it wasn't my idea. Wow. <laughs> Most, almost for 40 years, most of the things that I believe God for have to do with ministry or things that are needed. And, and I can justify kitchen gadgets because I have to cook, you know, so I can get, I can get away with that kind of stuff. But as a whole, I don't, I don't, just don't spend money over these kind of things. If uh, something else will work. I, I don't believe in cheap. I do believe in inexpensive. I don't believe in cheap. So I had to got to the conclusion that God put that in my heart. He wanted me, he wanted me to have this or I wouldn't have it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, but I never lost hope that I was gonna get that one. I cannot tell you how many times a week I was on the internet looking at that one. <laughs> really? So, so I'm saying that to say that there are, it, this, is, this doesn't just concern things that we think we need. It's like, it was it was a desire, the of but then I had delighted myself in him. You see, now there's more to this watch than that, though. God never does anything without Him getting the credit, because somebody here needs the testimony of this for their hope to not be deferred on something that they're looking for. You see, God always wants you to know what He can and will do, and if He wants to use me, I am tickle pink. <laughs> Tickle pink. You, you, are you listening to what I'm saying? So, so learning how to, to, to trust God even for those kind of things. Knowing when it's God, and he'll teach you when it's lust. There, there, there are some things that have been in my heart in the last couple of days. I'm thinking, Lord, like I don't, again, I don't need that, but, I, there, but there needs to be an exchange made. You know, it's like... Uh, uh, I say, as an example, say you got a car and it's running fine, nothing's wrong with it, but all of a sudden you're thinking, I need to go get another car. Nothing's wrong with the one you got, but I need to get another car. And you're thinking, well, I'm just lusting after cars. No, because the moment you get your new car, the other one goes down. Or God has someone else to get the car. Right. You see, learning the difference so that you're always, the only way you can do that, sisters, is to stay in the now. Praise the Lord. You can't think according to time. You think where God is. Because yes. <laughs> faith is, if it's a noun faith, is the understanding of what you hope for. It's the understanding of what you hope for. Technology is a wonderful thing. And it's doing some things in our lives that we don't, didn't even know we needed. This thing will, will call me. I mean, I'll get, I can get phone calls on this thing. I can get my texts on this thing. I could be in a meeting somewhere, and if it's something that I can, don't have to pull that big phone out, have it in my purse or whatever, and whatever God needs me to know at that moment, I know and I can take care of it right then and there without having to disturb a meeting. Well, you say, well, now you've moved out of luxury into need. Yes, absolutely. Because God always gets more for his buck. He never does anything for you that's not going to benefit his people. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You hear what I'm saying? Yes. So 
hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now faith is the substance or understanding of what you hope for. But then it goes to the next part. It says, it is faith is. Got to put faith in there again. Faith is the evidence. Evidence. Faith is your evidence that you have not deferred your hope. <laughs> this is, you, you know, this is a, an aha moment for many of you. And if you push into it and stay with it, it will become a reality for the, for the rest of your walking days. You don't, you don't want to get it and let it fly over your head and go home and say, boy, that was a great meeting, and then don't apply it. Begin to apply it. Begin to apply. It applies to every area of your life, with relationships, with finances, with your body. Every, everybody, someone asked me when they came in here, how, I'm on this uh, new eating, I said it's a new eating, it's new, it's new to me. And it's not, you know, I, I see ads where people are doing this and that, and, and they're losing tons of weight. And I said, I am going the process. My hope is in the process. It's a proven route. Anytime doctors are changing and they're saying, we messed up. What I'm doing has what used to be treated for diabetes in the 50s. And then somebody came up with a pill and Big Pharma got in the middle of it. And, and, the, and the big pills and the insulin and all that stuff, it does not cure diabetes. It, it actually, because it, you know, it continually increases. It, it increases your insulin all the time. Okay? But this thing doesn't just cure diabetes. It's been told that when, I, I heard this growing up, when you get fat or overweight, that causes diabetes. That is not true. It is the diabetes that causes the overweight. That's what causes the overweight. I didn't know that. And that, that uh, same hormone that causes the overweight, it causes the problems in your brain. That's where Alzheimer's are coming from. They, they treat uh, kids that have uh, um, seizures. They were treating them with, with the same way. The, the arthritis, the uh, eczema you have, the skin problems, all that. They have equated all of that. They have dumped all of that into one barrel. And now they're learning how to manage people's health. But here's the kicker. Big Pharma doesn't like it because there's no money in it. All I do is switch. I, I still got to go to the grocery. I still have to buy food. I just buy different. So I spend the same, my, my, my grocery bill hasn't gone up or down. It's the same. OK? Now, what's the problem with that? No problem for them. I don't care what they do. It's not working according to the hype, but it's working according to the process. I'm, I'm sleeping a little bit better. Instead of only sleeping three hours a day, I sleep four now. But, that's, but it's always been a problem for me. So it's not all, um, if you have sleep apnea, it just seems just like it just begins to go away. Why? Because oxygen cannot get where it needs to go. Uh, I'm watching some other things happen, and but they tell you, and if you if you will p go to process, I'm not listening to, I'm not going pulling up YouTube and watching videos of people like me. 
I'm watching videos of health and medical conferences where these doctors are talking and they are actually using words I have to go look up <laughs> on per, you know, because I, I don't want somebody's hype, I want the truth. You know what I'm saying? So that has caused me to not let my hope be deferred in that area. So I'm going the process, even though outside I don't see as fast a change as I would like to see. That's been our problem. We have been trained to, to McDonald's, microwave, everything quick, want it now, and that has cost us our health because now, you know, I found out that it doesn't take me any less time or more time to fix a chicken breast than it does for me to open up a box or prepare something. That's right. It's the same amount of time. I take me the same amount of time to, to change clothes, go to the bathroom. When I come back, it's done. You see, 15 minutes to cook a couple of chicken wings in my air fryer. By the time I get the, the uh, chicken, I mean, go to drive to, yeah, Popeyes, bring that Popeyes back. Not only have I, I don't even know what I got because it's so big, that chicken should be a turkey. <laughs> Ain't no chicken that big. And then the grease is, now listen to me, the grease that they use is made from the byproducts of, of insecticide and stuff. They're using canola oil and all that other mess. Then they're using that flour that's been bleached and bleached that's and bleached. Right. And, but it tastes so good until you know all this. And so then you eat it and you're satisfied for a minute. But the carbohydrates, because the way that they do your body, by the time you get home, you're hungry again. Wow. You're looking for something else to eat. Just a little something. Just a, just a, oh, yeah. <laughs> get that. Right. With the margarine instead of the butter. Now, now when, I, when I weigh that, now I'm telling you this for a purpose. When you weigh those two things together, and you're looking at the health outcomes of taking a little bit longer, then I don't have hope deferred. But when I am frustrated and I stop at Popeye's and I guzzle that mess down and it tastes so good at the moment until I get home, my hope has been deferred. I gotta start again and then I'm depressed and I'm, I'm discouraged because now I gotta start again because that other mess done put more stuff in my body that I gotta get out. I'm never nauseated over oh. fried chicken. Yeah, never. <laughs> but I'm trying to show you a picture of what happens when I make a decision apart from now, what God's saying. And that's hooked into purpose. So my faith stands as evidence of what I cannot see with my natural eyes. I can't look inside my body and see inflammation going away. I can't see in my body that even though my hair may fall out for a little bit, it's supposed to because it's going to come back because of the way this thing works. I can't see that. All I can see is the hair falling out. I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't need my hair to fall out. I think I got thick hair. But then when I see the evidence, my faith stands there that I will still have hair. Yes. That, you know, they've even proven 
that uh, uh, people whose hair is grayed. Some people's natural hair colors are coming back. Now we're talking about, now listen, this is important to me, whether it is to you or not, because I'm a generational thinking person. We're talking about back in the 1920s when they started this, this process or earlier. Look at the generations that is gone before it got to us and we're in the shape we're in. Now, if it works that way physically, what is it doing to us spiritually when we have let, we've, we've processed scriptures? We, we're taking scriptures out of context and we, we've been going off of one scripture instead of reading the whole chapter or the whole book. Right, right. We, uh, we, we, we've learned, we want it quick. So if I, if I confess it, it should be there tomorrow. Or I'm hurting my body. Lord, I take a pain, 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 and I'm still hurting. So you just go to the doctor and get something to relieve the pain. And so then you quit. Once you get the pain relieved, are the symptoms gone, you quit with the word. The only way to get it to work is that you've got to learn. If you've got to do, do both, do both. You hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you've got to take an aspirin, take an aspirin and say, Lord, I thank you that the aspirin will take, get rid of the symptoms, but it's you that heals the body. And, and stay with that. Yeah. But if you, if you eliminate one for the other, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Right. Because as soon as they quit making that medicine, now listen to me, sisters, mm-hmm. or they won't let you have it. then your symptoms are going to come back and you're going to be caught having to learn to use faith anyway because it's going to come to that. Big Pharma has gotten to the place now where they get you hooked on a certain medication and then they switch it. They try to tell my son that generic medicine is the same. It is not. He, he told them, they, they put, because of the insurance he has, they, they try to make him get this generic medication. Now he pays over $300 for uh, an inhaler. Plus he takes several different medications alongside that. And they put him on this generic. So he tried, he says it doesn't work the same. And the doctor said it's the same increase. He said, my son said, I don't care. He said, I know my body and it doesn't work. So I finally hooked him up to a a company online that would sell him the, the real stuff for less money. And he got on that and he took it, went and got it, and then went back to his doctor and showed it to him. You see, they are taking stuff out of your medications or they are giving it to you in smaller doses or whatever to keep you coming back. Because you are mentally and psychologically tuned to them doing this. Am I saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor? No. You shouldn't take any medication? Am I saying that? No. But you should learn to do do both until you can do one. Stay. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. I signed that with the FDA warning. And the one that they have me on right now, that I don't know if it was the same company, but I, I checked on it and he said it wasn't. Mm-hmm. That that blood pressure medicine has impurities in it. And if you're taking medicine, that's mm-hmm. going to already cause you mm-hmm. So, what I, I talked to the doctor because I called him automatically. You know, and let him know, okay, I need to know if this medicine is, is such such such. So his, his reply back to me was, well, no, just go ahead and keep taking it. We'll just do your blood work to make sure you're okay. So you know, that did, settle, that did not settle. 
So the good will be lit, you know? And then, not only that, you have the odorants that give the Jefferson shared with us, that you put under your arm, that is called Lymph, go right to your lips. Right. Mm -hmm. So deodorants, the they have this certain, yeah, mm -hmm. it's not good for your body at all. And they're finding people that are eating on this other way I'm talking about, they eventually don't have to, they don't even need deodorant. Right, and what I've done, yeah, what I've done, I, I, I stopped using, mm -hmm. which you told me from your process because I started smelling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> I stopped using and went and I asked her because she said, I talked to her the other day, I said, uh, how do you, what's the process you're going through when you stop using the deodorant? She said, she changed the way she eats. Mm -hmm. No meats and no dead, no dead foods. Did you see that, eat, eat, whole, eat natural whole foods? Right, and uh, she said that she also uses, uh, I think it's called Smith, but it's charcoal, mm -hmm. but it's all natural. Mm -hmm. So I went and brought me, because I had already been doing that, Mm -hmm. But I went and brought the brand that she told me yeah. to be for you. So mm -hmm. it is a process. Mm -hmm. You you will start smelling. People may start smelling you, mm -hmm. but that's just the mm -hmm. what you have to do. You're right. It's, it's your your body is actually detoxing. Yes. The chemicals. I I had I had no idea how how dangerous some of that was. So years ago, I, when I was a child, I had rheumatic uh, fever and I had rheumatic heart. So I couldn't take you know, any kind of dental procedures or anything without going through a series of antibiotics. And back in my day, the main thing was penicillin. And so I was going to the dentist as a kid. They would give me, I had to go for 10 days or more with antibiotics before I could even go to the dentist. Um, so I did that for years. And then on top of that, I used to have seizures, so they would give me Dilantin. And so I had all that in my system. I had no idea that stuff stays in your system until one day as I was pastoring the church and I went on a fast. I walked in my office and my secretary said, Pastor, are you on uh, antibiotics? I said, no. She said, well, you smell like penicillin. And I began to taste it in my mouth. I called the doctor and he says, get off the fast immediately. He says you will go into penicillin poisoning because he says that stays in your system. He says you have to get it out of your system slowly. Wow. So for a long time I could not fast on just fasting and water. I had to fast with something else to get that out of my system. Uh, and then the dilantin, when I, quit, when I uh, found all that out, when I, I wondered why when I fast, I still have the problem, sometimes the, the uh, ticks and everything that comes like like if you're having a seizure I still have those and they're getting better slowly but I've upped my vitamin B's and all that kind of a thing but all that was from that was all in that and it, so it did not cure the problem I'm saying it just hit the problem but then when I uh, have gone to the doctor I haven't uh, been for years for my heart thing but when I did go when I went to the uh, uh, military, they could not find any scar tissue at all in my heart. So uh, I knew that that part uh, has been healed. But you have to pay attention. You, you uh, take your medications that, uh, to take care of your symptoms, but check your medications. I'll, I always look for an alternative if you can. Yeah. But while you're taking it, don't, look, don't let people convince you, not a doctor to convince you that that's chronic. 
that you can never get away from it. The, these doctors who are, who are dealing with diabetes and all this, most of them come out of, of uh, 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 treating the brain and the kidneys. And they, the commonality they found with people who had brain problems or kidney problems was diabetes. So they started check, checking that out. And they said that the, that the greatest joy they have is not giving you a bunch of medication, but getting you off of it. Right. They, I mean, that, that's what they went to medicine for to begin with. They're not trying to make, these are doctors who are not trying to make money off of you. Right. You see. So all this to say, learning how to apply Hebrews 11, 1, so you don't go back to Proverbs 13, 12. You don't want to ever defer hope because whatever condition you're dealing with is only going to make you sicker, whether it's in your understanding, in your body, in your uh, uh, wisdom, being able to make right decisions. And I don't know about you, but when I don't feel good, I don't make real good decisions. I, I have to, I mean, one day I just, uh, someone uh, asked me, I said, how are you doing? I said, I'm on my way to bed. It was the middle of the day because it's, it's where I defer sometimes when I get so tired or I get so messed up and things going on, I just go to bed and go sleep so that I can, I just sleep it away. Now, it used to be a, uh, when I was a young kid, that was how I handled problems. It's not, it's not how I'm handling problems. I knew that I had to get my things straight and the best way for me to get straight was to rest. So I just, I just went to bed. When I woke up, things fell into place like they should, you see. But in the day, in the day, when I'd have been like that and I couldn't go to sleep, I'd have a cigarette or a drug. That's how I got hooked on cigarettes to begin with. I'm telling you some things so you can under, if you understand, faith is the understanding. When I was 15 years old, I was in a foster home. My parents got, finally got tired of how I was, who I was, and they sent me away. I ended up in an institution. My first day on that, I was on the floor with the other teenage girls. I walked in, and there was another 15-year-old at the desk that she checks you in, and she says, here, this is what helped me. She handed me a pack of Marlboros, and that's how I got hooked on cigarettes. You see, it wasn't, uh, I was immediately addicted from the emotion. And it took me years to come up out of that. Why? Hope deferred. Hope, hope deferred. Made, made bad decisions. All of that. Try to, try to get out. I tried to get out of that situation. Ran away from that home. Called back home. They're going to come get me. My family, my parents, they're going to come get me. They didn't come get me. They called the police, and the police came and got me and took me to juvenile center. See what happens when hope's deferred? It makes you sick. So from that point, I made a visual judgment. You'll never, ever hurt me again, people. And I became a god unto myself. I, I controlled my own life. By the time that I was 18 years old, if I hadn't done it or seen I'd heard about it. Because I'm making my own decisions about my own life. Because if I left it to you, you're going to hurt me. You're going to destroy me for your gain. Now, this is on the other side of that. You say, well, that's horrible, Joanne. But we're doing it today. I was, I was young. I was a teenager and didn't have anybody to, 
to tell me what I'm telling you today, but we're still doing the same thing. That's what I'm trying, that's the point I'm trying to make. Don't feel sorry for me, I'm good. My God is big, bigger than the God you think that ain't. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm gonna make it, I, 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 I'm gonna make it. But we're, as adults, having been born again for more than a year or two, we're still doing the same things. We're making decisions out of emotions. Decisions, I think we can see with our natural eye. And, we're, and we are saying, anytime somebody tells me that they are, they're, they're doing this by faith, I already know they're not. Because whatever I've done by faith, you don't have to know. You, 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 you won't, I don't have to tell you what I'm saying. You'll see the faith. You will see my faith. The, they saw her faith. Jesus saw their faith. See, you can see faith. I've, I've seen people come to me and say, and I could see their faith, and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna mess with that for nothing in the world. They might have been thinking they was getting ready to climb up a, a, a supernatural staircase to the moon. I'm gonna let them go, because you can see their faith. As a matter of fact, when I see it that strong, I'm right behind you, sister. We go up that ladder together. I go, because you know, because you don't, you don't see something I don't see yet. See, this is how we have to begin to think. Does this make any sense to you? Yeah. So hope, you don't, you don't want to lose your hope. There are four letters to the word hope. Now you're gonna, you're gonna help me, you're gonna help each other with this one. I took care of the first letter, H, is to hear. Hear what God's saying. The Bible says that all of you are getting a knowledge to get understanding. When you can get understanding, your faith won't fail you. Not understanding from man's perspective, understanding from God. I just got my cable bill yesterday. I negotiated with them uh, about six months ago to bring my price down. And within six months, it's back. They're going, because I don't even watch that stuff. Now I'm telling you this for a reason. In order for you to get into the area of hope and f walking in faith in the level that I'm talking about, you're going to let something go. If you, if you watch a, a, a TV show or you listen to a certain kind of music and you get a certain kind of feeling, like, and you, know, you just know it's not right, but you, you're trying to get around the garbage to get to the other, it's time to turn it off. I, I picked up a show, uh, a few weeks ago, I started watching because I enjoyed the leadership of this, of this man and show, but I quit watching it. It doesn't take long for anything created by man to find its place in the toilet. Doesn't take long, I don't care how good, how good it is. It's gonna find itself in the toilet. It's, anything that goes against the word of God, we're gonna to have to start eliminating from our lives because Whatever you compromise to keep, you're going to eventually lose. Do you, do you realize how much effort it takes for you to walk in joy? The, the Bible talks about uh, when we're, we're not grateful, we're not, when they're not thankful for things, what, what happens to us? Well, it's kind of hard to be thankful for stuff when everybody on Facebook is telling you that we're all going to hell in a handbasket. They all have, they're all negative. Every, even I mean, the church is all negative and, and you're taking that stuff in. 
So just don't take it in. You look up and 30 minutes, an hour's gone by, and you still on Facebook, taking in garbage. If you haven't been, been, been putting out filet mignon spiritually out there, you need to get off of it. If you're not, not going to put something good out there that's going to have to change the way people think of jolt them, then just get off of it. All you're going to do is, you know, I used to stay on Facebook mainly because of my family. And then I, then I thought, you know, the heck with that. I mean, I found out that my, my grandson, my great-grandson almost drowned on Facebook. And then nobody called me and tell me. It was on Facebook. And so, so I stayed on Facebook so I keep up what's going on in my family. Then I thought about it. Well, you know, just let it go. Just, just let it go. I love my family, and please don't, don't I, I love my family. In, the, in their worst state, I love my family. But I cannot take in anything that's going to, that's going to cause me to detour my thinking from the things of God. Because then what would happen when I find out stuff about the family, then I'm, then I'm mad. I'm hurt, upset. You mean you couldn't pick up the phone and call me or send me a text? You see me a text when you need money. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just craziness. So, we're, so you got to let something go that's taking up your time. You say, well, I don't have time. I can't pray without ceasing because, yeah, you can. Because your mind is on 24-7. And you're thinking about something. You can't think on two things at once. You can only think on one thing at a time. And the Bible says, think on these things. One. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Think on these things. And there was a scripture that says, pull down stronghold and everything that exalts itself. When you, when you think the wrong thoughts, and keep them there, those thoughts take on a life of their own. You bring, uh, some translation says, vain imaginations. And the longer that they stay there, they, it's amazing. But the Bible says we are, are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at how that, that thought, one thought that gets in your brain from your mind, because your brain and your mind is the same. Your brain and your mind are not the same. Your thoughts get into your brain. It starts destroying brain cells that have an effect on your body. That causes the and then you're going to the doctor, spending money, trying to believe God for the money to go to the doctor and blame it on the devil when we wouldn't cast down a thought. But the reason why we don't is because it is not easy. That thought, when you start trying to cast a thought down, it amplifies. And so do have to amplify. I find that I, I, I speak to it, I pray in tongues, and that thing just gets worse. And then by the time you think you got it together, you go, go in and comb your hair, and then the next thing you know, two minutes you into that thought again. What, what I told you, I'm done with that. You have to work it, and sometimes it takes several days. You get to a place where you can shut that thing down quick. You want to be able to shut it down quick. Then you think you got it all taken care of, and then you turn TV on, and there's somebody on that TV going through the same problem. Yeah, I know how you feel, sister. I know, I know. No, uh-uh. You know, you know what they're doing, and, and anybody, I'm overweight, 
So I talked to myself. I ain't picking at nobody. But I saw something on TV, on a commercial. It actually made me mad. It should have made me happy. I used to say that I was so glad when they made clothes for women who were larger that didn't look all mammy-made. Y'all know what that means? Just, yeah. mm -hmm. But they have this new company out called Diva, or Dia, something like that. And I looked at that and I said, you know, they're doing everything they can to make us feel good about our bad health. Now I'm, now I'm not, I'm not against, I'm, I love clothes. Anybody come to my house, you, you got to get past the clothes in the box before you get anything. I love clothes. So that's not, that's not my point. My point is that they, they shifted our thinking. That we're trying to learn how to be happy as we are. I don't want to be happy like I am. Right. I want to be in good health. And if that's something that's standing in the way, I don't mind looking good while I'm getting better. But I don't want to. I don't want to stay there to look better. Right. Does that make you know what I'm saying? And they're making money off of my sickness. <laughs> Makes me mad. <laughs> and I ain't gonna let them. Go ahead, cause I'm about to lose it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because like you say, if I go through the wrong bathroom door in my life, 
I never know this other stuff exists. Right. And I'm on a treadmill, and God wants his people to get off the treadmill. And right. I'm talking about the, the industry. I'm a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And every summer, they they have what we call a four-south drug shortage to increase the price. Drugs like erythromycin, basic, it used to cost pennies. It's costing two or $300 now, a tablet. They got rid of heart meds that were working that didn't cost much mm-hmm. and put the generation 70 and above in a crisis because these people have been taking one pill all their life, nothing else, and now they, you know, um, well, ACE inhibitors came on the market and played havoc on us when there was simple pills, appraisaline uh, and uh, it was another pill. It was very cheap and it treated it. And then we took people and put them on ACE and then we took them and you started seeing angel demon people coming in the hospital, swollen faces, you know, all this, all this, you know. So the patent torn out, that's why. You know, uh, well, it's not the patent, it's no. that the industry, like she said, to tell you the truth, we don't need as many drugs on the market as we are. That's right. And then for diabetics, I'll tell you the secret. If you want to do better, get under an endocrinologist. We don't have one in Texas. Do y'all know endocrinologists just about piss you off of all the medicine? Yes, Lord. And that's why we're suffering in this area because we've lost the endocrinologists. If anything, pray that God will put on someone's heart to come back to this area. My sister in the Lord, every time she gets on the endocrinologist, that endocrinologist is taking her off of it. Okay? And she's doing good. She's going A1C, she's going down, everything. You know. When she's under other doctors, they just power the drugs and her kidneys were blowing out and everything because of the drug. Right. So the thing is, um, y'all are here telling the truth and we do have to realize that back in the day, what did we do when we did not have medicine? <laughs> they laid hands on us mm-hmm. and they prayed. Or you cooked the, you get, you cook the goose, use goose grease. You know, they, they, they prayed. And we used garlic. Garlic is nothing new. People who steal garlic years ago for blood pressure, for Cod disease, I know y'all, they drink it. They kept it in the refrigerator, and they drink this stuff. Let let us slip into something else real quick before we lose our time. O, the letter O in hope. Okay. Just okay. Yeah. Well, I I want you to think of for these letters. I want you to think of just something that uh, you know that God requires of us that we have to hope. But she said, obey. Okay. P. Perseverance. Patience. Perseverance. Good. Practice. You gotta practice it. Write, the, write these things down because you're gonna, you're gonna need all this. Oh, wow. Uh huh. Practice. practice, perseverance, patience, peace. 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 Prayer. 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 Yeah. What's that? An expectation. Practice. Practice. practice, yes. You have to apply it. E. Expectation. Expectation. And endure. 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 That word letter you always use, exponential. Exponential. Okay. Now, here here's something that that I want you to do. You don't have to you don't have to to do it here. I just want you to do it if you do it privately. Ask Father to show you the root cause of whatever it is that you deal with. There's a root cause. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to, since I brought up weight, I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you how I gained weight, or what started it. I ended up having to go to court over a man that had me in his car. That's about as far as I can go with you. When I got to court in those years, I wasn't but 18 years old. In those days, anytime a woman was sexually accosted by a man, it was always her fault. Right. I, right. I, I was young and didn't know it. I got to court and they ripped me all up and down. And so I never returned to court. I found out later they, they got the man convicted by two other women. But I never went back. I, was, I couldn't handle it. I started packing on weight thinking I would be unattractive. I didn't, I didn't want, that was a horrible situation for me. And that was a root. Now, the root of that for me became mixed in with value, how I valued myself. And it became a double situation because I wanted to be attractive, but I didn't want to be attractive for the wrong reasons. And so what I endured, even with my marriage and all of that, it was, it was horrible. One thing went to, to another, off of, of a, a root. And the root of that actually go, went all the way back to being a baby when I was rejected. I did, I, uh, um, my mother had had six children under the duress of an abusive husband. By the time it came to me and my younger brother, she didn't want no more babies. And evidently, I felt that. And that carried on. And so as I got older, and I was a teenager and all, I was thin and long hair and cute. And being cute got me in trouble. But cute also got me valued. People looked at you, they paid attention to you, you walk in a room and the whole room lights up because I'm in there. It was all about me because of value. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So one thing led to another. And then one time God said to me, he says, you desire the honor of man more than my honor for me. And I was hurt because I had been born again for a little bit of time. And I thought, Father, you can't really believe that. I, I love them more than I love you. And then something happened a few days later and he said, that's what I'm talking about. And, and he, was, he was right. See, see the root cause of that? So once I understood, see faith, is the understanding, then I was able to begin to take that to the Lord and have him to help me to walk through the healing of that. And it didn't come overnight. It was a process because the understanding had to come. You had dealing with, with a, a, a abusive family, abusive, 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 every place you, know, you go to school, the teachers are abusive. I went to all that. Uh, you know, nuns making fun of how I walked. And it's all kinds, of, I mean, just, Abuse, abuse, abuse. And then Father had to take me back and reassure me that his love for me was enough. That's kind of where I've come, come through in my life. But it will help you in your health, your physical health, your mental health, emotional health, and more than anything, your, your spiritual health, because you don't want hope deferred. My hope had been deferred from a child.
but you don't know that. I, now, I don't believe in that inner healing thing of taking them back to the womb and all that. I'm not I'm into all that stuff. But I do believe there's a root cause for things. And when the Father can show you, once I saw it, and I began to, to take on 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, I had to claim that for my life. I'm a new creation. Those things did not happen to me. They happened to her. <laughs> See? So I, you, you do that, and then when you do it, you know, be prepared for the Lord to take you through healing. If you need help with it, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to help you. Uh, it takes a whole lot to surprise me anymore on stuff that people do or been through. It really would. You, you, you read your book to me, and I'll remind you. <laughs> Did you learn anything from this today at all? Any thoughts or questions before we take off? You got exactly seven yeah, minutes. Yeah, at the beginning when you were talking about hope deferred, and um, when I got born again, it was charismatic stuff, mm, and yeah. it was. Um, you Is that plate You get it, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Claim it, you know, get it, whatever. And um, things didn't work for me. And so I've been praying lately, and I said, God, heal me from a jaded spirit because I got jaded. Um, my thought system, it was just, um, now I don't have like the, really the faith when my husband was in a epileptic seizure before, the thing would talk to me, but now it won't. I'm like, what happened? Did I lose <laughs> What has happened? And, and I started looking at this thing because um, I wasn't getting results praying for people and, and um, the things that I prayed for, I didn't, I didn't get, oh, thank I'm you. not seeing the results like in, you know, my beginning years, I, they, they said, you know, you you got it. All you have to do is claim it and everything. And so, I don't know. Let me rub some oil on your, all in your head and make sure. I don't know if it's scriptural to say, God, deliver me from the jaded, but I got jaded somehow. Well, now I'm guiltier. I don't feel No, God, God will answer. God is such a good father. He meets us where we are at our point of understanding. And he answers those prayers, even when they're crazy or out of line. God does not leave any prayer unanswered. As we grow in him, he begins to teach us and add to that. Like I said before, charismaniacs weren't always wrong. They were just incomplete. And he just adds to that. But God, God is not going to, to, to punish the rest of my life because I didn't pray a prayer quite right when I was back there. No, he understands exactly. The Bible says, I think it's in 1 Samuel, he looks upon the heart of man. We, we, we pray different. We say, oh, God knows my heart. That's the problem. He does. <laughs> but he knows where I'm coming from, no. what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, articulating it right. We're, I'm saying the same thing. I'm saying that you're okay. You prayed, you prayed fine. We, we pray from the understanding of where we are. Our little babies say, why, 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 why? We know they mean water. When they're 15, they're saying, why, why? We want to slap them. It's time to say water. 
but we give them the water when they were two. That's, that's my whole point. So you're good. Okay. <laughs> These kale chips are good. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make my own one day, and I don't think I'm going to do that again. They didn't, they didn't taste like these. They didn't even look like these. <laughs> hmm? So we're all good? I'm going to, I will, I'm working on this. Y'all keep, uh, y'all keep. A sort of a specific, a quickened word.